Hey everyone, welcome to the Sally Allen podcast. Um, this podcast is a place where we give people uh, a platform to share their stories of resilience. I believe that sharing our stories not only empowers us, but it also helps other people and it helps them see that they're not alone and the journey, whatever it is they're going through, that somebody else is going through it. So thank you for listening. Today on our podcast, uh, I have my dear, wonderful friend, Tanya. Uh, Tanya and I met in the gaming space many, many years ago. Uh, we knew each other um, through that space, but we were really introduced by a mutual friend who took us on a sailboat, right? Was that is we- correct. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we got to spend um, 10 days together. And after 10 days on a sailboat, you know if you're friends or not because you're stuck with each other. <laughs> and, and we just enjoyed and, and loved each other so much that we kept hanging out. And um, so I'm really excited to have Tanya today on the podcast. And the question of the podcast today is, um, how does a small town girl, you know, how does a girl go from being in a small town and, and get out to be this successful business owner? And with that, I'll turn it over to Tanya so she can share with us. Great. Well, thank you so much, Sally, for the introduction. And yes, we've definitely built a strong relationship together. And, you know, I really look up to you and all the struggles you went through in your life and how you became out so you know, beautifully resilient. And um, anybody who hears your story can really tell that you've gone through a lot and how much you have achieved. And, and that makes me also realize that a lot of the things that I've been through in my life um, has truly contributed to my successes and overlooking the bad things that have happened to be able to help drive me to the successes that I have found. Wow. Thank you, Tanya. You make me blush. I, <laughs> <laughs> I said that on another episode. If you're hearing that twice, that's okay. You'll probably hear it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So t- what are you sharing with us today, Tanya? Well, you know, everything doesn't come with a, with a box of roses. Um, you know, I grew up in a small town. It was a beautiful small town. Um, had a great family. Everybody looked at us, at, at us as beaver cleaver. I mean, we'd have dinner together every night. We were the perfect family. And, you know, I still look at it as, hey, we're the perfect family still today. Um, but, you know, as I got to see parts of the world and I got to see uh, different cities, states, meet different people, learn about diversity, and um, really get to experience life, I realized that there's a lot more out there than than just what this small town had to offer. Um, I went to college, you know, with some big dreams of, you know, becoming this great, you know, executive in, in business and you know, being hugely successful. And I was hugely driven because my family always told me, you can do anything you set your heart towards. Set your mind to it. Create goals. You can achieve anything that you want to achieve. Well, this great opportunity came up with an e-commerce program and I, you know, chomped to the bit. I went right for it. And uh, started the degree program. I did such a great job on selling my new degree program to my family that my dad also joined um, the degree program. Yeah. So we were able to go to school together. So, oh, so cool. We were even able to extend that great family relationship into my <laughs> college years, which was interesting and um, a little bit, you know, the dynamics were a little bit different, but it was really fun. Wait, um, I want to ask a question on that. How was it having your dad in the same class with you? Uh, at first, it was embarrassing <laughs> because I had my boyfriends and I had my girlfriends and I had all my, you know, everybody that I hung out with and and sit at the back of the class and dad would say, hey, come sit by me. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. 
okay. So everybody had to be, were, you know, kind of conscious as to what they said to me around my dad. Oh, man, <laughs> this must be awkward at times. So that was pretty interesting, um, but it, was, it ended up being a great experience. Well, through this e-commerce program, we got tied in with the dean of the school um, who came from out of the country, and he started the, the, the school of e-commerce, and he started an incubator. Well, um, you know, he, I was one of the top students in the degree program, and he asked me to become an intern at the um, company. And I was like, oh, wow, all my dreams are coming true. I'm going to be able to get experience in this program that I'm working in, and I'm going to get that real-world real world experience that I really need to be able to feed my goals and yeah. to be able to drive that success that I wanted in the long term. Yeah. Well, I kind of had a strange feeling about this man. Um, there was just something different about him, and then I thought, well, maybe it's, you know, just the, you know, difference in our cultures and the way we live, the way we do things, and um, so I kind of let it go by the wayside and, and you know, just continue to follow my dreams and, you know, get the success that I needed to be able to, you know, build that dream. And so as we got further and further into it, he started looping in my dad into some business deals. I was super excited because I was like, oh, wow, you know, he really likes us and uh, he respects our work ethic and likes us as individuals. And wow, this is great, you know, Um, you know, getting my dad involved, this is going to be great. So they kind of, he kind of separated us. And I started feeling that where he would tell me things and then tell my dad things differently. Mm. And um, what had happened, you know, a few months went by and, um, you know, we went to Comdex, we did all these great things um, from a business standpoint, but then we went to this business deal and this was over, you know, in a, a neighboring state and got hotel rooms. And I get checked in my hotel after the evening and um, getting all ready for bed and then he comes in the room. And I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, we need to talk some business and, you know, close out this stuff. And I'm like, well, we can go meet outside in the lobby. This yeah. is not the space. And he said, nope, this is a room that we got together and you're going to stay here with me. <gasps> and then it, it, sheer fear, you know, came into my mind is that yeah. who is this man? What is he doing? And he's the dean of the school and he's my professor. You know, what... I have to do whatever he tells me to do. I, I can't I can't get away from them. Well, so I'm like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, lay down in bed and, you know, try to go to sleep. And then he tried to sexually assault me. Oh, my gosh. Um, I kept on telling him no and, you know, running out of the bed, you know, locking myself in the bathroom. And um, he proceeded to, you know, speak to me and say, you know, you'll never tell anybody about this. You know, your dad will never believe you. Um, your family will never believe you because they're involved in my business. You know, mm-hmm. they look up to me. And, you know, my dad did idolize him um, because he was a, you know, successful man who was bringing some great business to the state and bringing a great opportunity for the kids to be able to get a great, you know, e-commerce degree. You know, it was it was all set up for me to <laughs> get into the situation, I felt like, at a point. Yeah. Um, he also threatened me, um, you know, threatened me that, hey, I know people who own cement co- uh, companies, people disappear. Um, so there was a lot of things that really kind of happened. And, um, 
led me to be quiet about it for a while. But then I realized, you know, it's eating at me so much. I have to be in class with this man. I have to deal with, you know, all these things that are going on in my mind and still work with him and him mm -hmm. still making advances um, all the time. So I realized, well, you know, I've got to, I've got to talk to my, my family. I've got to, you know, tell them what's going on. And, you know, my dad didn't want to, he didn't want to hear it. Mm. Um, there's no way he could ever do this to you. You know, he's such a great, honorable man. And, um, you know, we're in business together. We do good business together. And how could you do this? And my mom believed me. And, and it was really, it was really tough, but there was still areas of doubt. <laughs> right, right. So I, then I then realized that I, well, I put myself in the realization that I thought I was alone mm. and that I couldn't talk to anybody about it. So I continued to distance myself and, um, my parents noticed that and they draw, they drew me back in. Well, when they drew me back in, they then got in touch with the university. We had to meet with the Dean of the students uh, we had to meet with the board of regents. We had to meet with everyone and tell, you know, what was happening. Um, but then at that point, I was looking at my integrity. I'm like, what did you do to entice this? Mm. And, you know, there was absolutely nothing I did. Yeah. It, it, it came unjustified. And, you know, any student should never have to go through that. And... Um, so they transferred me to a, a satellite office. So I completed my degree program by myself in remote learning, which back then that didn't exist. Right. So here I am being the one isolated yeah. <laughs> whenever it's n nothing to do with what I did. Yeah. And, and I just held my head high and said, hey, this is wrong. And, um, you know, just is going to, you know, be determined. Yeah. And you know, the right thing's going to happen and karma you know, we know what they say about that. So um, I continued my degree program, finished it up. At the end of the semester, they let him go, and he had to write off anything he had affiliated with the university. Okay. So that was great. He moved back to his country. Um, he really wasn't welcome in the state anymore because it was not just me. It was eight other girls. Wow. So... Um, you know, once I found that out, I was I was pretty in a in a state of depression. Yeah. Um, because, you know, here I am trying to pursue my dreams, and I feel like everything came crashing down because everything I'm doing up to this point, right? Is it because he liked me? <laughs> right. right. It, it, was it warranted that I was you know able to do the work? Was it justified? And um, so I kind of went into this deep hole. And at that point. Um, I was seeking people to, you know, just talk to, to be friends with, be, without them, you know, judging me on it. Right. And, you know, again, I was alone and, you know, I couldn't be at the university with my friends. So I found this guy that um, worked, his ex-wife worked with the same guy. And I was like, hey, you know, I'd love to talk to you and find out how it impacted her. And, you know, um, maybe you can help me in this whole situation I'm in. And he said, yes, you know, he was awful. You know, he, he told me, you know, what she went through. And we became very close. He became my best friend. And then he became my boyfriend. Um, because he was the, and again, he was the only person I felt like that I had that I could talk to and that would understand. So, so let me understand. One, he is gaining your trust. 
And two, he's isolating you and separating you from your family. Not only that, he's gaining your family's trust also. So they think he's this wonderful person. And, you know, when everything comes out, that they'd be like, how could this person do this? Exactly. Yes. It, it was it was quite a, a gut shot. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it, it was really undermining and it just sent me into a dark space. Yeah. And that's when I started seeking out and I found this individual. Um, when I was in this downworld spiral, he jumped on board. Um, I found out that I didn't even know it. He was my neighbor for a number of years and didn't even know him. Um, he knew who I was and he knew my friends were, um, but he was kind of seeking me for quite some time. I didn't realize this at the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. um, as I'm in, you know, these, you know, this blinder side of my life, and um, we, you know, we got engaged very quickly. Mm -hmm. And my mom and dad, you know, they just told me there's something about this guy. Don't know what it is. Um, you know, why are you pulling yourself away from the family? Why are you? Yeah, you know, because he took the scenario of, okay, your parents aren't here to support you. I'll be here for you, and I'll be your everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I thought, hey, hey, you know, I've got a good friend. I've got somebody who's here for me, who's going to stand up for me, got my back. Um, and things quickly went south. Wow. So we got engaged. Um, not too long after that, I got pregnant. And um, then the abuse got worse with him. Um, he became, you know, pretty violent, and um, anytime I try to get away, um, I'd get locked in, and I couldn't leave. And you know, he just reinforced that, hey, your family's not there for you. I'm here for you. So um, I lived that way for a while, um, and I started seeing the animals didn't like him or was scared of him. And then I thought, well, maybe it's not just in my mind. Yeah. You know, animals are seeing it, and animals can see individuals who are bad. They can see their intentions. And they sense. They sense. Yeah, yeah. They sense if you're not good. So that's really, I mean, through everything I'd been through, it took animals for me to realize that, wow. hey, I'm in a really bad situation here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it went from bad to worse very quickly. Yeah. And so here I am, you know, engaged, pregnant, you know, in a house alone with this man. And, um, you know, he'd follow me to work. He'd sit outside my work so I couldn't leave work and go see my mom and dad and tell them what was happening. Well, um, eventually things continued to get worse and um, I lost a child. And um, I told him, you know, hey, we're getting married. I want to meet your father. You know, you haven't talked about him much, but I, you know, I'm all about family. And even though I'm not close with my family right now, I want to find, seek and find family because that's my way of life. You know, yeah. my family is my everything. Uh, so we flew to go meet his father, and um, that's when I found out that he'd, you know, been watching me for a while um, before I met him. And, um, you know, he, I kind of got scared, and I was like, hey, you know, I don't think we can move forward with this. And... Um, then he proceeded to get abusive, and there was this big mastiff dog that his father had, <laughs> and another time with an animal. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. mean, it was it was my my 
my test to be able to say, hey, this is not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the Mastiff dog, you know, attacked him and I was able to get away. Um, his father came down and um, got me on the first flight out and I got to the Oklahoma City airport and got in my car and was thinking I'm going home. And I was like, where am I going home? Which home? Yeah. <laughs> and I called my parents and I said, I'm so sorry with everything. You know, I'm sorry that I've, you know, walked you out of my life. Um, and I've caused some disappointment, but I'm here and I'm back. Yeah. And it's going to take a long road to get back to who I am. Yeah. But I know I need you here there to support me. And I also know that I'm not going to drown in my self-pity. Yeah. So I got home and the wedding was supposed to be that weekend. So all the family's there. <laughs> you can only imagine all your wedding guests being there and a wedding being called <laughs> oh off. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I have to say that was one of the best decisions of my life. Yeah. Um, that was me getting back onto the road to where I needed to be to be able to you know, really pursue my dreams and, you know, let my ambitions really drive me to where I wanted to go, not where circumstances were putting me into. Right, right. That was brave, Tanya. I, you know, our stories are similar, so I can attest to that, you know, what you did. But kudos to his father mm -hmm. for standing up for you and putting you on a plane. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's a wonderful man, and I you know, thank him so much <laughs> for, yeah, yeah. for what he did because it was heading in a very, very dark place. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm very lucky for that. And I'm lucky that my family was right there for me. All my best friends came back together. You know, we, we became that. They became my support channel. Um, you know, I had to face a lot of issues with anxiety, panic attacks, uh, things of that nature to, you know, get through it. And, you know, I thought, hey, I'll, I'm going to move away, you know, accept a job somewhere. And, you know, because, you know, I have my degree, I'm ready to go, I have some experience. And so I really started putting my resume together and taking a look at, you know, where do I want to go? What types of companies do I want to work for? And that's when I put it out there to Qualcomm and to another company um, out in Dallas. And so I ended up getting, you know, two job offers. And I flipped a coin. I was like, I don't care. I'm just getting out of here. And I thought, well, this is my, you know, one opportunity to be able to, you know, step away, get out of this place, not have to see, you know, the people that did this damage to me and, you know, able to just walk away from it. Yeah. Well, that was a good idea, but you can't run away from your problems. <laughs> right. Um, so, yes, you know, I accepted the job in San Diego. Um, but with that, I also lost it because the internet boom, um, all the layoffs. Mm. So then I thought, oh, great. What else can go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, my family was there for me and I had an aunt that, you know, took me in and I was able to stay with her until I was able to get a job and get on my feet. Um, so then, you know, I got a job, things were going great. I was on my own. You know, I, I started working through my feelings and everything that I had gone through, um, but I also realized that I built a wall because I couldn't even remember his name. Mm. And I built that wall so deep that I couldn't even remember the man I was going to marry. Wow. <laughs> and I realized, you know, later on in life, I realized that was wrong. Yeah. 
And I had more fixing inside of me that I didn't realize, you know, when I thought I was good, yeah. I didn't realize I still had a lot of work, you know, self work to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I move away, um, meet my Mr. Wonderful, um, who truly is my Mr. Wonderful today. <laughs> he even. is, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, through him, I realized I, I needed some work on myself because things would trigger with me mm. and in being with a man again. And it was like, oh, where'd that come from? And then I'd have to figure out, well, where did that come from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I had to do just some soul searching and figure out, well, how do I deal with this pain that I've been through? And, you know, I had to sit down with my family again and say, this really hurt. Yeah. And, you know, get their buy-in that, you know, we were all, we all played a part into this downward spiral that I went into. And, you know, I took onus on what I did to contribute to that because, you know, I, I, you know, I pulled myself away from everyone, even though there was all the red flags out there, I wasn't listening. And I was saying, you know, nobody's here for me. I got to do it on my own. Well, Mm -hmm. they were trying to be there for me and I was just so shut down. I wasn't willing to let them in. Right. And, you know, I, I got my career in place and, you know, everything was going, you know, has been going great since then. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, when I really thought it, it was over, you know, me and my husband, we were, you know, planning our wedding, getting things all in place, and um, I get a phone call at like 6 a.m. It's from the area code my, my parents are from, and I look at it, and it's like 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. The only thing yeah. that happens at 5 o'clock in the morning is an accident or something bad. Right, right, right. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, what could this be? And... It was a police department, and they said, oh, no, no, nothing's wrong. We wanted to do a background check on this individual. Come to find out, it was my ex, and he was applying to be a police officer. Oh. And I didn't remember his name until that moment. Wow. <laughs> and um, I had to, you know, go through everything with them and, share what had happened and share the name of the next girl he went to. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, come to find out, his behavior got worse and worse. Mm. And I was so lucky to get out and to finally follow the instincts that I had through animals. Yeah. <laughs> and in my own in my own heart, in my own mind, I knew it, but I wasn't wanting to accept it. Yeah. You know, I I look at this and I I hear your story and I'm so inspired because you just kept moving. That's what I'm hearing. You you didn't you didn't stop. Yeah, you went through a couple of years with him, but once you got out, you just kept moving. And I'm thinking, even though we keep moving, we build these walls and we still have baggage that we take with us, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even talking about it today it gives me goosebumps because yeah. it's just not something I talk about. Yeah. And, um, you know, those who are close to me know what I've been through. Yeah. Um, but whenever the Me Too action came out, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, I'm not the only one. Yeah. But it yeah. also made me think, oh, gosh, I went through all of this and look at how much people looked negatively on me for, you know, even bringing it to surface back then. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. You know, now they're finally like you know, listening to the women and yeah. giving them the benefit of the doubt. And, and, 
But then again, it also kind of scares me in my career because, hey, things are good. And I, I work with men all the time. Yeah. You know, a lot of men are my mentors, my bosses, my um, conduits. And I never want them to see me as one that would go, oh, you did this. Well, you know, a lot of the reason why I've kept this quiet is because the fact that I don't want them to feel uncomfortable around me. Right. Right. And I'm not one that would tell a story if it wasn't, you know, directly huge. Right, right. (laughs) And and I don't want men to ever feel uncomfortable with working with me. Um, So that's why I really haven't, you know, talked a lot about it. Um, but I did, you know, there was a song that helped me um, between animals and music. Yeah. I believe that's really what helped me get through everything I was going through. And there's a song that's called I'm a Survivor by Reba McIntyre. Right. And I wrote down a few words from the song um, that really resonated with me in the year that it came out because it was the same year that everything was happening. And what it says is, I don't believe in self-pity. It only brings me down. Mm. And that's so true. Like the more you think about the bad things that have gone through you, gone, you know, with you, the more you drown yourself in that pity, the worse right. it gets. That's right. And even though I may be the the queen of broken hearts, but I don't hide behind my crown. That's right. So I'm going to show you who I am. I'm not going to show you my broken side. Wow, that's really powerful, Tanya. That's powerful. I I keep thinking. Um, I I want to go back to the fear, intimidation, manipulation, and separation from family. What are some of the tips you will give to our listeners, um, you know, to recognize when this is coming? Because obviously it crept up on you twice before you caught it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So the things I would say to look out for is follow your gut. I mean, your mind and your gut is going to tell you um, and give you signals. And if that doesn't happen, um, if somebody tries to pull you away from your family or pull yeah. you away from your friends, your support system, there's something wrong with that. That's not love. Yeah. And no matter how much they'll tell you, I love you, I want to get to know you, I want you to, I want you to lean on me and be that person. Well, you don't have to be a singular person. Mm. Individuals need a support system <laughs> yeah. versus a individual. And if you have family or friends that you you look up to or you have a friendship with, don't let them go. Listen to their input because they can see things that are happening on the outside yeah. that you may be so in love that you don't see it. Yeah. Or may just push it off and say, oh, I can deal with that. But I, I truly believe that, you know, anybody who is taken away from their family and secluded, that's not a good person that's doing that. Yeah. They're trying to hide something that they have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's going to be someone will end up being damaged to yourself. Right. And I also want to go back to what you said about our male allies. I love that you brought that up because this is not a male mashing show, right? Um, We have wonderful, wonderful male allies, both you and I, and some of them are mutual. Absolutely. And, um, and we absolutely love those guys, but both male and female can be abusive to each other, right? It goes Mm -hmm. both ways. Um, So thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. And, and Tanya, oh my gosh, 
losing a child, I, I am so sorry that you had to go through that, but look at you today. You are like the epitome of resilience. You inspire me so much. You just get up and you're like, I'm going, I'm not going to be depressed, but kudos for your other half to see that you built that <laughs> wall and I'm helping you tear down that wall. Tell us a little bit about that. What's your process? Are you still going through it? Are you working through it? What are some of the things that has helped you? Um, so, so dealing with the loss of the child, um, I love children. I always saw myself as being a mother and, um, you know, seeing myself in, in that scenario. Um, that was every, it was every part of every dream I've had. And, you know, to have that opportunity and lose it, it, it really broke my heart. Mm. But it also made me realize that this relationship wasn't what I needed. Um, if I would have had the child, I would have been tied to him for forever. Mm -hmm. um, so I see that as it's a clean break where if I would have had the child, you know, I would have had to still have him in my life in some form. Yeah. And because of that, I'm able to truly move on and let that part of my life go. You know, accept it, understand it, yeah. but let it go. And, um, you know, in my relationship today, you know, we found so much fun and the work that we do, you know, the friendships that we have, the travels that we do, that, you know, children, kind of that mindset went away. Yeah. And it's all about you know, the experiences in life. And, um, you know, I also started listening to, you know, Buddha and, you know, the way of life, not how to live your life, but ways to navigate your life. And it's helped me to be able to really focus on more than now mm -hmm. and live in today and not live so much in the past. Or take, take the good things that you've learned from that and incorporate that into your daily life. And really, you know, understand your feelings and the roots of those feelings so that you can let it go. If you have that wall built, it's still going to be back there and it's going to creep up on you every once in a while. Yeah. And to be able to go back through that wall, figure out in your mind, you know, how to deal with it going forward and accepting it. And that enables you to let the wall down and take the experiences I went through and apply them to my daily life. Wow. That's awesome. And that's powerful. So I was going to ask you what's a takeaway for the audience, but that sounds like your takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I have this a magnet that I brought to you that's something that I look at all the time. And it says, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Live the life that you've imagined. Yeah. So wherever you are today and what you're going through, know what you're in, what, what you want to achieve. If you don't know what you want to achieve, there's no way you'll be able to make it and get there. And to live confidently, be confident in yourself and follow your dreams and live that life. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, friends, as you can hear from Tanya, it's never too late to start living resiliently. She's given us such great tips today. And uh, she kind of took away the tip I was going to give, but I'll give it anyway. Follow your instinct. And our instinct and our gut are never wrong. And, and I wrote down three times 
as we were talking, her gut was telling her, this doesn't seem right, something seemed off, and all three times something was off. So follow your gut. And thank you so much for listening to our show. Tanya, thank you so much for uh, coming here and being vulnerable and sharing. Thanks to our listeners. Thanks to the Sticky Paw Studios. If you like our show, rate, review, and share with your friends. Thank <laughs> you.